Ni hao ma, and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats cast number 95. I'm Jeremy, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Edwin of Kerman's Game Shop, Jim Casali of Gathering Magic and ModernNexus.com, and Travis Allen of MTG Price and MTG Fast Finance. This cast is always sponsored by GatheringMagic.com and CoolStuffInc.com, who have provided us a provided us with free gift certificates to give away to listeners in the middle of this cast with free shipping on orders of a hundred dollars or more, a sweet 25% buy list, uh, bonus and their ever popular customer rewards program. Coolstuffinc.com is a store for all of your magic, the gathering needs. How you guys doing this week? Splendid. Great. Ah, yes. Travis is muted. The only way to actually enjoy him on this cast. Travis, how was your week going? Um, last time I mute my mic for this cast, uh, it was just fine. Just fine indeed. What do we want to start by talking about? Do we want to talk about Dominaria pre-release? Do we want to talk about anything else? Bone marrow and fa. <laughs> Bone marrow and fa. We really should record our 30-minute uh, pre-recording conversations. Jim, did you play in any Dominaria pre-releases this weekend? I did, much to my chagrin. I didn't want to, but it's just the rite of passage at this point. I don't have an option. And what did you think? Um, the sealed format's kind of miserable because you have to play so many colors and there's not a lot of fixing. Um, but the cards that are in the set are sweet. It's like, I'm excited to pick up my pre-orders, but I'm not excited to ever play sealed again. Travis? Uh, I did not play in any pre-releases. Ed? I was working at an event all weekend, so I did not play at all. Well, I would like to add to my resume that on top of Jim making day two of a pro tour, I have successfully got into the same level of competitive magic as I won my casual shop Dominaria pre-release on Friday. I don't think you would have asked us about the pre-release if you hadn't done that. I was about to say I didn't. I forgot that this was going to become a humble brags towards the end. So, I I was wondering where we were going with this. Yeah, um, my my deck was bad and my opponents were worse. That was the only way that I won. Uh, uh, releases. <laughs> yeah, they just misplayed a bunch because it's a casual shop. Uh, so it was fun. Um, how were your numbers at your pre-release, Jim? Was it higher than normal? Uh, so I go to one of the larger stores in Orlando, uh, our sponsor, CoolStuffInc.com. Uh, and generally speaking, I think for like the last four or five sets, the pre-release time that I usually go to is usually about like 60 people. And this one was easily double that. Uh, they ran out of chairs. They ran out of tables. Like the entire store was full of Magic players. And that's why I dropped after round two because I didn't want to be there anymore because it's like there's too many people. I don't want to deal with all these smelly nerds. So it looks like it was bigger. Yeah, we had a 60 for the midnight pre-release, and then I don't know what our other numbers were because I left. Um, but it, it definitely looked up. Another thing which we can probably get into is the price of Firesong and Sunspeaker. Uh, I mean, that card is basically... Jim, you you had a pretty good take on this earlier, if you want to explain. Oh, I just tweeted. I, was like, I looked at the price. Well... One of you posted the price of it, and I was like, man, that doesn't sound like a real number. And then I went on TCG Player, and it was a real number. The price of the Fire Song and Sunspeaker is actually just like bigger than the profit margin that most stores get for selling a booster box, which is kind of sad in a way, because some some stores are going to uh, you know, hold some of these back, because it's just better than selling a booster box. What is the demand coming from on this? Is it just the fact that it's rare-ish, or is there people actually using it? Um, I mean, I only have anecdotal evidence, but like the people that I play EDH with are excited because it's a Boros commander that isn't like a thousand percent based on attacking and blocking, because that's pretty much all of them at this point. Like, you either have to play like equipment or a bunch of dudes, and there's no really there's no no real support for anything other than that. Mm -hmm. So the fact that it's like has some very unique effects that you can build around, it might not actually ever be good, but it's just different enough that people are excited about it. Yeah, I mean that's what Jason all had talked about too. I just didn't know if that's where it was coming from or not. Yeah, Ed, anything you want to add about the pre-release promo? I I think it's one of those things where 
people are kind of more aware of the numbers on it. Mm. Um, I think I think that might be contributing to it. It might be one of those things where, okay, if I if I can't afford or I don't want to buy a full booster box right now, I I might have to just try and like sneak in a pre order. Uh, I just buy one of these as a single um, in the event that you know people people decide to use it for a brawl or it actually does become good. Um, I, it might be people hedging their bets. Um, like for us, we sold out almost uh, all our allocations for the pre-orders. There was someone who, there are quite a few people who bought multiple boxes. Um, it's obviously unclear if they bought it for, um, if they actually wanted the boxes or if they bought them strictly to get uh, the promo. Um, that being said, like we're, we're almost out of promos. Like we like we gave away all the promos. I think we're we have like maybe five left or something. Um, so, I I feel like because it's a known quantity, like I don't know how many stores most people have access to, but in the event that this card doesn't become does become good, there's not exactly a ton of these floating out there, especially if you take in consideration the amount of people who did buy them. Uh, for consideration of commander or something, and they're they're not going to just be dumping these back into the market, um, even if the price does go up on them. Anything else that you guys want to add to this? Yeah, so I I tried to well, I didn't really try that hard, but I was definitely like considering picking up a box at the pre-release um, for the promo because I play commander. Because there's just a lot of legends in the set, but the store that I went to was sold out of all of their boxes and all of their promos in the second pre-release of the weekend. Like they do a midnight one and then they do a noon one on Saturday, and they were already sold out by the time I got there at like eleven thirty. So uh, I'm expecting them to continue to be expensive until somebody decides that it's not worth holding on to them anymore. Yeah. Um... I haven't been too aggressive on buying them back from customers, but we definitely sold out of the ones that I bought in from customers on a pre-order basis. Uh, so I offered like f- full disclosure, I offered like $5 a copy cause I figured they would drop to 10 and then they stayed at 16 and people just kept pre-ordering them. And there's quite a bit of supply on these, right? Like initial box sales for opening weekend are a couple hundred thousand. Is that off base? But you, that- each shop you- gets like, 50 or 60 promos if you're advanced plus and that's obviously lower for not advanced plus shops it seems like there's a lot of copies out there for relative to how many people would actually want them well, sounds it, a little artificial at the moment it, it could be a little bit of that too but like there's also something to be said about the fact that like it's rare and people know it's rare like that drives the price of cards even if it's not necessarily something that's actually good well, yeah, and that's that's kind of what I mean when I say artificial. Like, I have a feeling this is driven, you know, not on, and it's not a problem with it. Just it's sort of like a bit like the masterpieces. Is a lot of the demand right now is from people who want it to be, you know, who have designs on it other than putting it in their deck. I think most importantly, like the thing that differs about this and uh, between uh, the promo and masterpieces is that we actually know exactly how many are out there. Right, it's you know, it's twenty forty sixty. That's the distribution between core, advanced, advanced plus. Um, like I, you know, I don't know about your area, but I like for me, there's you know, my store Kerwin's. Uh, we got sixty, and beyond that, people are basically driving up to Albany or down to Poughkeepsie um, to various stores down there, and like Albany, I don't know of all the little stores, but even if they have like, you know. Gauging how big Albany is, maybe like eight advanced plus stores. That's only four hundred eighty to go around. Um, and given the size of Albany, like I'm, I'm always just like pulling numbers out here. I've, I have no idea how many WPN stores are up there and, or how many promos they have. But four hundred eighty, like, is not a lot to go around. And you guys can kind of extrapolate that from you know your area, like Jeremy's area, or like Jim, you're in Orlando, you're in a pretty populated area. Like you know exactly how many stores are down there. I imagine like there really aren't a lot to go around. And I think that's kind of further kind of instilling this fear in people where if they're not getting uh, if they're not getting this now people are like kind of like uh, definitely definitely want to kind of get ahead of it as it were like you can definitely see these like clothes on ebay the numbers on tg player have definitely been drying up as well so they're clearly moving um 
And again, I just don't see like a lot of people who have them just wanting to get rid of them until they either know whether or not it has a home in standard or how popular it, it is going to be as like, you know, a brawl, a brawl uh, in a brawl deck or as like a commander or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I suppose. I think the one of the only things driving this demand besides commander is there are people that collect full sets of everything and this is technically considered part of the set. And so players are buying these because they want to complete their entire set. We that's where like some of my pre-orders came from is like a uh because it's a casual shop, uh one of the main ones I operate out of, they just want to complete the set so they were buying them so that they didn't have to look for them in the future. So they they buy that and then they wait for everything else to drop. And then they pick the rest of it up when standard bottoms out, but they don't know what's going to happen to the price of this card. So they're just picking it up just in case to have. So there are, there are, there is a non-zero amount of people that collect every set of magic. And that might be some of the demand. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying those people exist. Uh, We listed a bunch of legends and Arabian nights, like bulk rares and at like $20 on TCG. And like those have all been selling too. Nothing that has to do with like old school or anything, but like, and like, it's probably not the same as a standard set where there's tons of supply out there, but there are people collecting every set. And like, if you go to GPs, you'll see people with like foil sets and stuff like that. So the demand is out there. These people have money sometimes. So I also have to remember that this is not a car that you can redeem on Magic Online uh, because it's a promo, not a part of like, it is part of the set, but it's not. Part of the redeemable set, so you'll never get them on Magic Online either. Time will tell. I hope it's good in standard. That's going to be really funny. No, it, yeah. Like, I think that these buy box promos, well, just to segue a little bit, just to recap on how I felt about this the last time we talked about it, I think the buy box promos being unique cards is a sweet thing. I just think that they should always put them in the next set. Just make them a preview card and put them in the next standard set. So if someone wants to get them early, it gives a little bit of value to the box. It makes people want to pre-order them or whatever. But if it's really good in standard or brawl or whatever, then there's like some sort of release valve, which is just three months down the line. I think that's fine as long as it's not legal in standard until it actually comes out in the set that it's a preview for. So you're saying basically make them judge promos where they spoil them a month early for the judges and then they go, oh, look, we're reprinting those cards in the next set. Yeah, exactly. I, they haven't been that bad about it. Pendlehaven. Shard didn't have the same art. Pendlehaven had the same art, I thought. No, it didn't. All right. Pendlehaven reprint was the one from Time Spiral. The Pendlehaven yeah. judge foil has like new Phyrexia art on it. Like it's a totally different. It's a totally different art. It looks very similar. I made the same mistake. It looks very similar, but it's not the same art. I mean, if it's that hard to tell the difference, and it might as well be, right? I just was. It isn't really that close. I just misremembered what it looked like. Hmm. Classic gem. And of course, moving on from Dominaria, we have seen masterpieces continue to hold up i I think this is going to be a reoccurring segment on this cast that where masterpieces are because we've disclosed how many we own um i sold two more of like my 10 whole masterpieces and invocations that i didn't sell already i got 325 on a sp mana crypt and 160 on an sp blood moon which felt really good um but it's like for me it's too late to put more money in so like I'm just lucky enough to be able to buy a buy list and sell it retail. Is it so too much. late to put money in Ed? I don't uh, think Ed had heard of that part. No, I did. Uh, maybe I'm not sure. Um, all I see is this supply continuing to dry up. Um, like I think Magic Card Market has started to catch on. The supply has definitely disappeared from there. If you look on uh, various Japanese sites, they've started to disappear as well. So people are clear, like. People are clearly becoming aware that these cards are trending upwards. You can't have a card that's this rare and be worth like this little, um, which is kind of like my concern with uh, Fire Song as well. Not I, like I understand we moved on, but that like now that we know exactly how much is out there um, on Fire Song, I mean we can extrapolate. Obviously, like masterpieces are kind of a similar boat. We know the rarity, we know the distribution of them. Um, 
obviously the thing we don't know is the print run. We don't know how big is out there, but again, we can kind of extrapolate based on how many are in store, how much like your average store moves. We know how many double WPN stores are uh, around the world. We can, again, kind of have like a very rough number on these. And it, again, it just makes me think like, you know, these are more rare by most estimates I'm seeing. Again, this is, you know, I'm just making up a number here uh, based on what people say and it's purely anecdotal. But we're looking at these being more rare than most alpha commons. Um, than any individual one alpha common rather, which is a pr which is not a lot in today's uh, day and age, given how many magic players are out there. Um, so, do I think like these have room to go up? I think certain ones do. I obviously like even the ones that suck have continued to go up. Like, I mean, Cataclysm and Gear Hulk is basically above twenty dollars now. I never thought I'd see that day, but um, but the ones that see much more play relative to uh. Like not necessarily how good they are, but things like you know soul ring, like it's like it's purely a luxury item. Um, there's always no sh shortage of soul rings out there, but there's no shortage of people who have one commander deck. They're willing to go all in on a commander deck with like you know beta duels, like fo like foiling it out, like highest rarity on things, um, things like those. I do think that they'll continue to go up. Just again, like they're the supply is really disappearing. Even if people are taking them, even if people are buying them to reselling them, that's just, that just means that they're slowly disappearing from the marketplace. Um, so some of these, I like, I, it would not surprise me if Soul Ring was more expensive than it already is, which is pretty crazy to think about. And how but. many Soul Rings do you own for disclosure? I own zero currently, because I've actually gotten rid of mine because idiotically I, I didn't think that they would move and then I, I listed them and then did they did sell and now I own zero. So... Now I'm actually really regretting that I don't own more soul rings. Travis has a look on his face. You want to explain that? Uh, well, not owning masterpiece soul rings would be a bummer. If I owned zero, I would not be happy about it. Travis, of course, refusing to disclose how many he owns. I don't really think, I mean, I own more than zero. I don't think it's necessary to disclose the exact number. This is why people keep thinking we're manipulating the market. I mean, so I mean, so this is a topic that may or may not be of any interest to our listeners. I don't know, but I mean, at a certain point, we're allowed some discretion, right? Like, I, I should definitely tell you guys that I own soul rings, but do I need to tell you the exact value amount that I have in them? I don't know. That feels a little, a little icky. It's sort of like letting my tax information out, which is like you know, if you're going to run in the as a politician, you have to do that. But, and, and yeah, yeah, whatever. But like, as just a private guy doing this type of thing, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like I have to let that much out. And I'm curious, I'm curious what you guys think. <laughs> I like disclosing when I buy things out. Sure. Do you give raw numbers? Yeah. Like people knew how many memory jars I owned when that happened. But I don't know, like that necessarily Travis bought out soul ring. Like he just, owns copies that he bought for a certain amount of money, but he didn't buy all of them. I I also, like, don't really... See, I'm with Travis on this one. I don't really see... I'm willing to be, like, pretty transparent on most things, but I don't really see the need to, like, grill Travis on it. Like, obviously, we have more sway in the market. Um, I think it's definitely a non-zero effect. People have talked about this before, um, which is kind of why I'm starting to become a little bit more reluctant about just going out and telling people things. Because in GP Seattle, I went out and told people, like, hey, these were the masterpieces I bought today. And then people just went around and, like, bought all the same masterpieces I did. And that basically led to this massive cascade effect of the masterpieces I bought started to disappear online immediately afterwards. Um, so, and, like, again, I understand that we, like, people, a lot of people listen to us, which is still mind-boggling. Why people want to listen to what we have to say is actually, like, why people read what you guys write is, all, like, also equally mind-boggling. Ouch. But, <laughs> um, nice. but hey, I, I've read some of the things you guys write, and uh, oh, all right, I just gave us our second topic of the week, but let's get through the first one here. Any, anyways, like, I, I'm a little bit like more reluctant to like just start saying, like, okay, I'm buying up this now, um, mainly because it's not necessarily a huge secret. I feel like some like choices are pretty evident in like kind of why target like i target like 
a lot of my specs are either like standard mythics now or has been masterpieces um i don't really go deep on like power or like old school like other people do i dabble in it i'll buy if the opportunity comes up but like do i i don't think i'm necessarily gonna like be disclosing everything mainly because i just don't think like these types of runs that masterpieces have been having are necessarily the best thing for the market even though it does benefit me mainly because i do own a lot of, a lot of masterpieces um i think people are starting to misconstrue exactly what happens in the magic economy um a lot of vendors don't like can't even bother with this i don't even imagine places like star city or channel fireball necessarily care that these things are going up they're sold out of them um like i went out star city and looked earlier not only have they not repriced most of their masterpieces um Kalash inventions they have like less than like 20 in stock if you don't count cla cataclysmic gear hole because no one wants that card mm -hmm. um and i think like from their perspective like they're happy to sell them they don't like they're not necessarily influenced by the market whereas for us as like more you know travis's case like a, an individual doing this or for me you know my per my personal side specs or whatever it it feels much more impactful to us and same for the person who they just want you know their jun deck and modern to be expeditioned out or whatever um it has a much more impact on them and i think it's a little bit dangerous to be actively buying out and then trying to create this hype about it in the way that we have in the past especially because i think a lot more people are also more on top of it as well which is further compounding the effect um so i i'm with travis on this one jeremy unfortunately the first time i'm ever like agreeing with travis on something but that's kind of where i'm at i don't think that's true either <laughs> he tries to not agree with you on principle it oh, makes for right. a more interesting cast fair fair allegedly but i didn't realize yeah like a lot of stores are sold out i looked at cool stuff just now they have four individual copies of uh kaladesh masterpieces in stock two of them are played and they're all for the new price it's like they just don't exist in stores anymore because there's just not very many of them. In Seattle, I asked like one of the stores, uh, one of the Chinese stores. Um, I'm friends with a few of them. They actually had posted on their hot list this giant like white sheet on the wall with a hot list, um, and they had prices for m most probably like almost every good masterpiece was on there. Most of the you know the standard ones weren't obviously. And I asked, I asked one of them at the end of the weekend, like, how many, okay, like, you have this hot list, people see it, how many masterpieces did you actually buy from this list at the end of the weekend? And the number was, like, less than 10. Um, you know, given how many people were, like, one that shows that people aren't willing to let go of masterpieces, and it just, again, like, this is just further reinforcing, like, they really aren't out there that are just openly available for people if you're not willing to pay the full market price on it. Interesting. That's a uh, pretty good anecdotal evidence, Ed. I mean, you're also going like, hey, let's complete hypothetical. Say I own five black lotuses, right? Actually, I own zero. If I go, hey, guys, I own five black lotuses. I just told you that I have somewhere north of 15 grand, uh, possibly like, you know, 10 times that in my house in magic cars. And you know exactly what to look for. I don't know. That's a little weird. Like, you don't really need to broadcast that level of information. I'm all for transparency, but and I don't know, maybe our listeners are gonna hear this and think that I'm trying to hide everything and like screw people over and master manipulate the market. I have no problem telling you guys that I own cards. I just I don't like the idea of giving away the scale. Travis does own five black lotuses and his address is no, I'm yeah. kidding. I do uh, zero power. It's yeah. one, two, three, zero power curmudgeon lane. Yes. It's 423 Walby Way. Or whatever that thing was. Thanks, Dory. Yep. All right, Jim. You want to get into the credit winner of the week? Yeah, so uh, I didn't broadcast today that we were picking our credit winners, so we don't have that many questions. Sorry, I had too much work to do. But our uh, our winner this week is Mike Miller, Miller Burned from Minnesota. He says... After you pick your bulk, what do you do with it? What is the best way to get rid of 200 pick bulk that I have? 200,000. Sorry, 200,000. Yeah, I skipped the the K part. Yeah, it's 200,000 pick bulk that I have. 
Um, Tweet at Doug Johnson on Twitter at Rose of Thorns. Buy my bulk. Yeah, he should just change his Twitter handle to buy my bulk. That'd be that'd be a good idea. Uh, honestly, it's hard to find someone that wants that much, and it, you have to tell them that it's picked. I don't have that much, so I couldn't tell you for sure. Um, I sell most of my pick bulk to cool stuff because I don't pick a lot of the stuff that they end up wanting anyway. So it's good for them and good for me. It's probably a little bit easier for you to sell them. Like it's one thing, like most vendors are probably okay with like if some random person, no offense to you, Mike, I'm not saying you're random, but if someone just came up to me and said, Hey, do you want to buy bulk? All right. How much do you have? Assuming their number is not like 1 million or something. That's like, okay, is it picked or not? And you can probably say it's picked. And there's a very good chance I'll buy it because the extent to which bulk is picked at our store is very different than what you guys would consider bulk. Um, and but if you know if Star City was buying from me or if you know Jeremy was buying from me, like God help your sorters because you're not you're you're not getting crap out of that bulk. Like same with the people who buy from Doug. Um, so I think like. Because you you have the you're lucky enough to maybe not maybe maybe you do have to tell people that you're actually a vendor at which point most people probably would not buy a large quantity from you, but luckily like 200k is like kind of below a threshold where it's like okay that's a decent amount, but like if you are any closer to me I'm willing to chance buying your 200k bulk because I can probably make make it back with how much and how thoroughly I can pick through it. Um, but I'm going to say, like, you know, message some large stores. Like, you're in Minnesota, so you're a little far away from Star City. But for the people who live further east, um, usually before Star City open, you can just email them, say, like, hey, I have X amount of bulk. Uh, can I bring it to the event and have you and have you guys buy for me? And that's usually uh, that's usually what they'll do. Um, beyond that, uh, maybe like slowly like bleed it out to your local game store if your local game store isn't big enough they might not be able to buy all 200k at once but um like that's basically what i can recommend if you really want to be ambitious go on amazon and make lots and send them off but that's very labor intensive that's very time consuming um if you're doing it on your own i definitely would not recommend that route travis uh, what do you do after you pick two hundred thousand bulk you can burn it for warmth. Uh, you can build a chair with it. I don't know. Dump it off on somebody's doorstep who you don't care for. I would say the <clears throat> best rate of return on your time in a larger scope than money is donating it to Goodwill or a community center or something like that. Like, Call them up. Say I have all these all these trading cards. I want kids, underprivileged kids, to have access to them. I don't need money for them. You can take you can take a write off. You know, if it's two hundred thousand cards, I mean, if it's two hundred thousand cards, you can take a pretty big write off on that. I would guess, and just drop them off. Let a bunch of kids have them who need them, and your effort is close to zero. I think the best use of time is to make a Craigslist ad, and then you don't have to worry about it unless people message you back. Yeah, although if he's got 200,000 cards, I mean, I had like, you know, I probably had about 100,000. I took up a considerable amount of space in our apartment. I, I listed on Craigslist, and that's how I sold it. I got a couple hundred dollars because I wasn't really pushing that hard. Uh, I mean, depending on where you live, 200,000 cards is a lot of space. Uh, so you might not want to just like sit around and wait for somebody to message you. If you live in a larger house, it's not as big of a deal. But yeah. I forgot about that because like the average rent here is like three fifty a month, and then I went to New York and a studio apartment was like twenty five hundred a month. Yeah, so definitely different. Yeah, uh, there's a guy looking like for like a bathroom. Yeah. Um, what what was I saying? Two hundred. Oh man, sorry. It's morning here. Um, there's a guy who refuses to sell me bulk. And he's listed it on Craigslist forever at five per K because that's the rate he wants. And I refuse to pay him for it. And when I had extra bulk besides like people coming in and buying bulk at like 10 per K because low retail numbers, um, I just listed it at four per K and I said, come pick it up at the shop and how many, whatever amount you want. And I'll honor four per K. And like, he's still stuck with that bulk. So as long as like you can profitably undercut people on Craigslist, you should be fine. 
you really don't have to do anything except for like when someone calls you or emails you and they're like, oh, hey, I'm interested. And then you meet up. And if not, it just sits there and you can wait for a big event to come along. I don't know. Anyway, thanks for your question, Mike. Uh, you can send me a message on Facebook or Twitter at Cartel Aristocrats or Cartel underscore Finance, and I will send you your $25 gift certificate for CoolStuffInc.com. If you'd like to win our gift certificate next week, you'll need to leave a comment or a question, rather, on the Gathering Magic page that will have our cast on it. And if you leave a good question, preferably one that we did not answer on the previous cast, then you could win a $25 gift certificate to CoolStuffInc.com. I would like to point out that Gilded Lotus is still pre-ordering for $3, and there is still a possibility it can hit 1.5 after release. So someone made someone brought it to my attention that apparently yes, it's coming. I did not know this. <laughs> I did not know that. So oops. Maybe. Would you like would you like to take these backsies on this bet? Uh, I'm still I'm still feeling reasonably, you know, at what if Ed just wait, 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 every copy not, under when, two dollars? What did Ed he didn't, not know? Ed didn't know that the Gilded Lotus is also in the Planeswalker like pre-con deck that you can buy. It's one of the two rares that's not the Planeswalker. But if Ed buys out masterpieces, there's also a chance he would just buy every Gilded Lotus under two dollars to prevent me from winning this bet. Mm -hmm. So tricky, tricky. You know, you get the double dip. Then you win the bet, and also you have a ton of Gilded Lotuses that are going to like double in price. That's how I felt about our Bitcoin bet. Because if I lose, I still make money. Right. And if I don't lose, then I get a free trip and still have Bitcoin. You know what I just realized? There's no Gilded Lotus Masterpiece. What's up with that, Wizards? Why didn't you make a Gilded Lotus Masterpiece? They figured the From the Vault printing was the best printing cardstock-wise, so they just figured they couldn't beat it. I don't believe that to ever be true. Ed has All not right. been to add on this. <laughs> I, 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 I have nothing to add on this. Like, I, I'm just... Contemplating my doom whenever that comes. I was gonna say, like, have you not learned your lesson from making bets with Jeremy yet? So Bitcoin is on the rise again. It's almost back at nine k, despite like an abysmal first quarter. So I, I have hope. Almost nine k is still less than half of what you need to win. That's true. Remember, it was like seven or eight k in November of twenty seventeen. That's true. These things are all true. You guys are not wrong about this. All I know is that the longer this cast goes, the more bad bets I think Ed's going to make with Jeremy. And it's just going to be like a laundry list of unfortunate events that are going to happen to Ed. You guys, you guys want to talk about bad magic bets? We have a friend here who is notorious for making rash statements uh, and being very stubborn and it getting him into a lot of trouble. When Gideon, ally of Zendikar, was spoiled, uh, and everyone was like, this card's amazing. Like, it could be the best card in standard. And, like, he read the card and then went, no, this isn't good. And we're like, this card's amazing. Like, it's definitely going to be good. He's like, no, this card's not good. And what do you say? He's like, this card will never even make it to the Pro Tour. And then we're like, okay, we'll bet you, like, 20 bucks that getting ally of Zenikar, like, is in a top eight deck. And he snap took it. And then he took the exact same bet from, I think, seven other people. <laughs> and, of course, getting Alexander was, like, half the Pro Tour deck. So uh, he lost a lot of money on that one. And it's, like, the third time he's done that. So Magic players love to make wild bets. And it is exciting. I need to start picking out what suit I'm going to wear to Jim's wedding. You said you were going to get one with a crazy print on it. Like, don't let me yeah. know. No, I I was looking at Bitcoin custom prints, but like there's also this mafia looking one that looks like a ton of fun. Or I could just go full Don Cherry. Yeah, can you get like a red one with like a gold dragon on it? That'd be fucking fantastic. You could double dip and get one that insults Jim too, so then you get to like rub it in Ed and Jim's face. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's a suit budget, but I, I think there was like a gentleman's agreement for the entire bet on like how much we would be willing to spend. I mean, like, you don't make Ed homeless. Well, the good news is if Ed has to, if I have to fly Ed on Delta One from JFK or LaGuardia to Orlando, it's like zero money. If Ed has to fly me from Trailerville and Tractor Farm 
Missouri in first class, that's that's not cheap. It's really rough for Ed because he gets a double loss. Not only does he lose all the money on Bitcoin, he also loses the money to paying for your crap. Yeah. Bad. Ed's got nothing to add to this, man. I think I don't I don't think money is the problem for Ed. I think it's his hair. <laughs> I think that's the that's the part of the bet that really gets him. Yeah, I'm not I'm not clean on shit. I'm not too super keen on shaving my head. That won't be great. I, mean, I, 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 I might be wearing a hat to your wedding. I mean, you, well, you don't have to you don't have to shave your head before you come to the wedding because the bet doesn't end till afterwards. No, it's at the beginning of the wedding. It's right, literally I understand, it's I understand, up until you like, get married. Right, I understand, but like he doesn't have to shave his head before he comes to the wedding because the bet's not over yet. Yeah, how yeah. did you guys? Uh, you guys might want to talk about your time frame here because you guys have this set up. What's the actual end date for the bet? It's the day of Jim's wedding. Okay, but you have to like pay for his flight, right? So, and yeah. what was the number that it has? So you to just cost? show the rec- you just show the receipt basically, and but you're like, it- "All right, pay for this." Well, then, so then Ed has to take a. Simply has to book the same flight you would pay for. Yeah, so like Ed could fly first class to Jim's wedding, and if I lose, I reimburse him for the total of the ticket. But like, what if I fly to Narita and then I fly to Orlando? Is that a continuous flight to Jim's wedding? Open jaw your bet. <laughs> I think that's being outlandish, but that's me. That's getting out Japanish. Hey. I don't know, but for listeners who have been listening, it's been like uh six months since we made this bet. So good times. I was expecting to win like mid-December at the Rays going. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm calling I'm calling never lucky on this. The real so question is like from, yeah. If we had made it 20k, it came within like $21 worth. How tilted would you have been? He would have found an index where it broke 20. Yeah, I, I would have, have, I would have, have sold his 401k and then just like try to prop it up. I don't know. I I you know for a while it was going pretty well and I thought Ed might actually win and then it like the floor fell out from underneath it and I was like, "Ah, he's dead in the water now." For the record, I'm totally on Ed's side on this, and I hope he wins. I hope he I'm, wins as well. I'm going to be the winner, whoever ends up. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter to me who wins. I'm going to be the winner because someone's going to wear. No, if if Ed wins, I put enough in Bitcoin to pay taxes legally and to cover for his stuff. And then I just have to wear some stupid shirt. That's like not a big deal. If he loses, his hair's on the line. Jeremy adds when Jeremy wears stupid shirts all the time anyway. So really this yeah. is just a total for your all. <laughs> no, but you, you, have get... people, you have to let people rub your head. Oh that's right. Fine. That's is that's it? worth it. Yeah. I, I mean I, I hate it, but like it's worth it. I'll be a good sport if I lose. Um versus like you may not come back with that ad. You might just have the uh the monk looking appearance for a long time. Or like a silvery uh like salt and pepper look coming back in my hair's already gone at like 23 man i have no chance so oh, that's he's, not definitely, a he's definitely gonna have a salt and pepper look going on <laughs> so oh, there's definitely gonna be salt involved travis yes, that's the joke i was making <laughs> that's the joke i was making thanks for explaining the joke jeremy you're so kind yep so mtg finance all right i guess we've roasted ed long enough on this uh moving on from that we have seen not really that much. Uh, Reserva stuff still getting bought out. Commander stuff is still going up. Eternal Masters boxes EV has gone insane. I've been selling Mana Crypts for 110 lately, which feels amazing. Uh, that set's finally starting to rebound. And hopefully, eventually, Iconic Masters more stuff will start rebounding. Because you could have made a pretty healthy profit holding on to Horizon Canopies bought at 30 and then selling them for 50. Uh, I think Bylas is now like 32 to 34 and TCG lows 50 again. So that card's going to continue to go through the stratosphere. And Flusterstorm's Bylas is super aggro too. I really dislike Iconic Masters because every now, every like once or twice a week, I get a card. I'm like, oh, this would be a good choice for a spec. And then I look it up and I was like, oh, it was an Iconic Masters. It's like the price will increase on it for sure, but it's going to take way longer than it would have otherwise. I don't want to wait. I disagree. I actually think, like Jeremy said, a lot of more rebounding. Um, it's one of those things where if you're not 
actively looking at the price, you probably wouldn't know. Horizon Campy is kind of the most noticeable one. Obviously, there's multiple factors that kind of uh, that are factored in. Um, like, uh, Boggle's gaming popularity, like, Judge Foil's Gagteagues are quite up. Lump, even from the last time we talked about it, when the experience its first spike, and now that card is like eighty dollars or something. Um, uh, so like, it, it's weird things like that. If you kind of keep you like your pulse of modern, like Boggles is clearly popular. A lot of people don't like it, but it's reasonably affordable now. Other than Horizon Campies, that was probably the the gate for most people for a while. It was Daybreak Cornet, and then that got reprinted, and the price is just kind of cratered. But Horizon Campy is obviously like a much better card than Daybreak Cornet. It'll actually see play in decks outside of just you know boggles. Um, Boggle, yeah. Thoughtseize is like slowly uh, creeping up. Supply is just kind of been disappearing. It's getting kind of hard to find them. Um, just vendors I talk to, almost every vendor has the Iconic Masters Thoughtseize on their hot list on their board in some capacity. And for what I've heard, like they, people just really aren't letting it go. Um, but there's more and more people trying to, you know, build Jun, get into modern or wherever. So Manfred card has, you know, state it, it's as high as ever, but it's there's not really more, especially since people aren't willing to like bust their iconic master boxes. Again, because the EV is still pretty bad, like Mandrain hasn't really ticked up. So some of the cards have not seen an upswing, but I foresee like I, I feel like we're probably about three to six months from just iconic masters becoming just Great EV for the people who are just buying them right now at like, you know, you can still buy them at 130 to 140. Um, and I think like I wouldn't go crazy, but I think if you held on to a box you because you wanted to keep it um long term or you needed like, you know, something to round out one like these eBay sales or something, I don't think picking them up is the worst. Um, if you're looking at like three to six months on them. Do you and think also, we're that close to turning the corner on it? Uh, I am. Yeah, I think we are. Paul Fudo, when he was a guest on our cast a couple episodes ago, also said the same thing, and he provided data why. Um, and then even on M25, my amazing pick of Myriad Landscape at 20 cents is now 60 cents low. So although that's not like a real number to realize an actual profit, it's trending up like crazy, and I'm very happy that I called that card. So... I mean, once that thing starts hitting quarters and 50 cents again on buy lists, it's going to be easy to dump a thousand of them if you want. And they're still found in bulk everywhere now. So it's just a card that's proven itself in Commander, and it's something that people should be keep an eye on for sure. There's nothing really else to add. It's just like a penny stock that like I didn't see any any real money being lost on, so I just went deep on it. Yeah, I mean, you had that position, right? Like I, Jim and I could never do that, but it worked out well for you. Well, I mean, we didn't even have like a buy list on it really when it was down to 20 cents. I was just like, hey, Japanese copies are this, like Japanese flows are this much, English foils are this much. I'm just going to buy all of them under this until the market dries up and then watch actual demand do the rest. Yeah, I've been just saying like, what card was it again? Myriad Landscape at 20 cents. Yeah, it's just one of those things where like, if they reprint it in another commander product like three months later before you recoup your costs, you can still just shove them in the case and sell them for what you paid for you know quarters or 50 cents but jim and i don't have that out so like i completely believe you but i don't have the scale operation necessary to realize anything if i miss yeah that's a good point that i am lucky same thing with soaring like we still can't keep these in stock about a thousand uh in gp toronto like around toronto and like people are like you want more i'm like i'm good for now and like we're already running out again yeah, it's and crazy when you have that lucky out. And like you've talked about Soul Ring on the cast before when in like old commander sets or when old commander sets were coming out and you're like, oh, this is really good. It's going to go way up. And I'm like, yep, can't buy it. Can't do anything with it because where am I going to get rid of it? Yeah, you can start Travis's trusted TCG. Yeah. I mean, there there are still things you could do, right? Like if you play commander a lot and you know that you're going to need these cards anyway, you could just buy them. Like I bought... A significant number. I think I bought like six myriad landscapes. I want to say something like that. Oh yeah, I bought six at for forty three cents each. Like as a player, I'm I'm gonna use all of them at some point in time. I'm probably gonna misplace a couple of them, and then I don't have to buy them for like a few dollars when I need them again. But there's definitely like stuff that Jeremy says like, oh, you could buy a bunch of these and just sit on them and they'll go up. But like really, if you're not the kind of person that owns a store, you could look at that more of like. If you were going to play with this card ever and you might need more than one for more than one deck or you might need more than one for a single deck, 
this is an opportunity to buy them before they become more expensive. Yeah, and I mean, that certainly helps, but it's different than buying a thousand of them. <laughs> oh, for sure. I'm just saying, like, there's just, you know, there's there's definitely reasons why you could still buy things that Jeremy suggests if you're not a store. Yes, it, it certainly works well from the, not from the make a profit, but from a play magic for cheaper perspective. They're very good for that. Which is probably what most people are listening to this for anyways. So, there you go. Anything you want to add, Ed? No, I, I I think like you guys have given it like both perspectives. Obviously, you have the luxury from Jeremy's side, right? Like you know, we some of these cards, anything that I buy in large volume, like you know, Jim said, like you know, a ton for him is like six because that's roughly how many decks he'll have or that will use them. That's kind of like the lifespan of his card, where these cards will eventually find homes. And for Jeremy or I, it's like well, a thousand soul rings, right? These are gonna disappear because that's because people just want to play EDH and soul ring is just the most busted thing you can do in EDH. So your mileage may vary. You just have to kind of like figure out what's right for you. All right, let's get into pick of the week guys. Ed, if you want to start us off, uh, it's going to be masterpiece. Uh, no, uh, um, from Dominaria, which is kind of what I like generally kind of look towards uh, for the beginning. There's two of them that I think are pretty good. Uh, one is a rare, uh, Josu vest, Lich Knight. Um, I, I don't think this one's like particularly insane. I think it just kind of fits if you, from from a, a player's perspective. To me, it makes sense because a four mana four or five menace on its own, not the most exciting thing, but that dodges most removal spells, except for obviously Vastus Contempt, which is just gonna be a million dollars next year. That's probably gonna be my pick of the week coming up soon. Um but a four or five menace, it dodges most like damage-based removal spells. Five toughness is a lot. Like, it dodges Chandra's minus ability, for example. Um, and because games tend to go long and grindy, uh, 10 mana is a lot to pay with the kicker, but it's one of those things where if you play this at 10 mana, it's kind of falls in the same ball as, like, Ulamog, where next turn you're basically just going to win the game. Eight two twos plus a four five. That's probably going to be lethal on board, uh, especially if you watch standard, a lot of games have kind of tended towards being longer and grindier. Um... So I think, like, is this card going to be insane? Probably not. But it's one of those things, it's, what, like, less than $2 right now? Like, picking up, like, what's picking up, like, you know, 50 copies? If that's 100 bucks. sure, I'm willing to chance on that. Um, the other one that has a little bit more potential is uh, Lyra Dawnbringer, which is the uh, Bainstar Angel. Um, this one is a much higher buy-in, but I think this card will probably see a lot of play in Standard. Um I, I know that people are going to, like, the first thing people are going to counter with is it dies to extra removal spell. Sure, I get it. Like, Rascal's Contempt, like, that card is busted. We get it. it. And this card dies to it. Yes, so is everything else. But for the people who weren't playing around during, um, what was it, Shards of Alara, um, Zendikar block, uh, five-color control was kind of the big deck at this point. And people started to realize that you could just play this card. It didn't need to be your win condition, but the deck wasn't so heavy on reactive spells this card kind of created this interesting scenario where you can just kind of you know maintain parity it turns one through four you guys will just be trading back and forth and turn five you play us okay go all right well you untap and you know in this case vasco's contempt okay turn six play this go all right you might not have nervous vasco's contempt this is probably going to take over the game if you've played you know your creatures um like in like mono red at five toughness you don't really have a lot of good ways to get rid of this um so i like i kind of foresee this go like i just have throwbacks then um from like the first deck i think this is probably good enough flying for strike lifelink it's just a big enough body that it's going to swing the game and because if you are expecting it to die that's all the more reason to be playing these like three to four copies of these which is where bainstar angel eventually fell at first people were like oh i'll just play this as like one or two if it dies life goes on and eventually, like, kind of towards the end when Standard was fully solved, people were just playing the full playset of Bainslayer Angels. Um, and, like, right now, it's, like, 15 bucks. It's, again, a little bit expensive, but, like, it, like picking up, like, two to four, not the biggest investment, especially if you do think that, you know, this card might see play, or I might play with this card at some point. It's a very good Brawl Commander. I, I, I think there's potential for this card to be more than it is. I just... I just want to add on to Ed's comment a little bit. I disagree with him about Lyra. I think that card's like 
going to be very good, but not until rotation. So I think you have some time to wait to get in. Uh, currently, it is quite bad right now versus Hazaret because it can't block it profitably. Like it's just not big enough. Um, and Glorybringer comboed with probably basically any other card in the red deck also kills it before it's able to block. And a creature, a five mana creature that can't block against a red deck, which seems to be one of the better decks coming out of um, out of the set. I feel like it's going to feel like it's going to look really good on paper and it's going to play really bad when you're actually trying to play with it. So I think it might go up a little bit and then drop down pretty drastically as people stop uh, putting them in their decks. But like in your scenario, right? Like if they have, you know, lightning strike plus glory blender, that's seven mana, right? If I play, if I just slam this on turn five, like nice glory bringer, that's going to be stuck in your hand because this, this card just eats glory bringer alive. So Right. I'm not saying that it's like it always bad. I'm just saying there are a lot of situations where it's not going to do the show stopping work that it needs. Actually, I mentioned it in my article that like in in a really roundabout way that the protection from dragons and demons is probably better than giving your other angels plus one plus one in lifelink right now because there are other dragons and demons that are very important in standard right now. Like people could go back to playing Soul Scar Mage. Which also makes it like pretty like pretty miserable to play that card because the glory bringer doesn't need to kill it. It just makes it into a one one, and then it doesn't block well either. So there's just a lot of like situations where it's not going to be very good against the red deck, and that's where it should be the best. So I'm just of the opinion that I think it's going to go down before rotation, and then you can buy them then. Um, what's your pick? So my pick this week is a Masterpiece. I know people are going to be real sad or mad, but um, I've been looking at Masterpiece cards that are very close to the normal copies of their cards, like the non-Masterpiece versions. So um, a lot of my purchasing habits over the last year or so have been looking at the difference in the cost between um, a regular copy and a masterpiece copy and being like, eh, whatever, it's like another $10. I might as well get the masterpiece one. It looks cool. Um, I did that a lot with Mind's Eye and Sculpting Steel and stuff like that. Like things that like you wouldn't think are necessarily quite good, but ended up being very expensive now. So the one that I'm looking at right now because I'm building a deck that is playing with it is uh, Loyal Retainers, I believe is the name of it. Um, the masterpiece copy is like 30 bucks, and the regular ones are like 18 like the Commander's Arsenal ones, I think, are 18, and like the P3K or whatever set it's from is like 25. There's way less Masterpiece ones than all the other copies, like most likely, especially like the Commander's Arsenal ones. Like there's just not very many copies of this, and this is coming right after a set that there's a ton of legendary permanents that people are going to want to bring back. Um, I personally think it's pretty good. It has started to creep up a little bit, and there's not very many copies on TCG Player. If you're a commander player and you're, you're on the fence, like I don't think waiting is going to help you at all. If you're not, if you're just like, oh, there's a couple of copies in my LGS that I could buy and sit on for a little while, like I can't imagine that this is going to be worth less than it is now. I own zero in case in case that's going to be like a question. Ed somewhere owns eight hundred. I I own one and I bought it from Doug. Like, who admitted last week that he didn't want to sell it to you. Did he? I don't cast. remember him saying that. You were not on the cast at that point. You can go back and listen. He's no, like, I he... shouldn't have sold that to Jim for that price. I mean, I buy cards from him all the time. I make him plenty of money. He can uh, he can shove it if he wants to say that he didn't want to sell it to me. But yes, right. I own one copy. It actually just came today. And uh, and then I went to look at the price of the regular ones. Because that's the thing. is like I just bought it because I was like, oh, the regular one's probably like about the same amount of money because it's a re- old rare card. And then I realized that like all of these masterpieces are getting bought out. And actually, I'm actually adding more masterpieces that I'm like on the fence about right now into my cart and buying them because I don't want to have to worry about them being two or three times as much money in a couple of weeks or months or whatever. Uh, okay. My pick for the week, uh, apparently already jumped in price a little bit a couple days ago. I didn't notice that at first, but it's uh, Foil Villainous Wealth. <clears throat> it's in, let me get my number here, uh, just about 4,000 EDH stock. So it's doing pretty good in terms of acquisition. It's like a, uh, 
kind of like a Genesis wave, but you steal a bunch of spells from your opponent. It's a cool looking, it's a cool card. But foils are just about gone. I don't know what the supply was as of like four days ago, five days ago. So maybe there was 300 of these and people bought them out, but I'm assuming there aren't. But there's still very few left. It was bought out at two. You can grab them now at about three to four dollars a copy, which I think is still fine um, because this could be a eight dollar foil. Realistically, um, I don't think that's unreasonable at all, even more than that. So nice and simple, low ball. Uh, you can probably find these around your local store. I'm sure people don't really know yet. Um, and uh, the prices will still come up pretty cheap, so easy to trade for. But yeah, foil villainous wealth, popular in EDH, cool spell. Don't know if we'll see it again. Good choice. So we talked about Villainous Wealth in December of 2016 because I had just bought a foil Russian copy. And that was the reason why I wanted to buy a foil Russian copy is because I thought it would go up. A year and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right. It was like $8 for a foil Russian copy at the time. And I was just like, like this does not seem like a no, like this seems like a no brainer. Yeah. I think this is sort of the way you're supposed to engage with EDH cards now. It used to be something would come out like Dictative Erebus. And Theros would come out and then you would just buy a humongous pile of them six months later and sit on them, which is like what Jason Alt did with that particular card. And even way before that, like that was still a good strategy. I remember trading for omnisciences as fast as I could back when those came out because it was like, this is a crazy EDH card. And it seemed like something people will want. Now it seems like it takes a little bit longer for a lot of the like really good stuff. Not really good, but you know, there's always like two or three cards like a mind dilation that shows up in standard, and it seems like it takes a little bit longer for those to really churn. And meanwhile, you've got a lot of other stuff going on that you could be doing with your money. So I think you're probably supposed to just, even though you, these cards are really obvious, like villainous wealth, like mind dilation, what have you, um, you're supposed to just wait and let supply kind of attrition and let prices raise 20%, uh, because that can take like a year and then go after the foils uh, and clean out all the bot the foils that are cheap. Seems like a, a better strategy overall with EDH cards if you're just doing it out of a shoebox at home, but compared to what it used to be anyways. My pick of the week is one I actually researched and nobody spoiled it this week. Um, we want to play a guessing game or you want me to just tell you? What are we trying to guess? Your pick of the week? Yeah. Because normally you guys steal it. I'll humor you. All right. It's a mythic from Commander 2015, and it's multicolored. Oh, my God. Which which one's Commander 2015? What color were the decks? Uh, Is that without the Planeswalkers you... ones? Without the Planeswalker ones? No, uh, it was the two-color enemy color ones. Yeah, it was okay. the two-color enemy colors. Two-color enemy color ones, and you said it's a mythic? It's a mythic, and it's got two colors in it. Mirren? Nope. Uh, Prime Speaker Zagana. No, all right. I'll just. It's Anya, Merciless Angel. Um, oh, that one's good too. Yeah. Yeah. So I looked into a lot of data on this card. This card's price started going up on March first of 2018. After I guess they presumably spoiled Lyra Dongbringer, or just in reaction to casual demand, it's actually been trending upwards since the beginning of the year. On April 1st, 2018, three major shops corrected their buy list on it from 75 cents to 1.5. And the retail price is now around $2, which is an okay spread. Uh, it's something that shops are starting to become aware of so that they're raising their buy prices so that they can't keep it in. And with TCG trending up as well, it's just a good indication that this card may hit 3 to $4 um, or maybe 5 However, you could be blown out with the Commander Deck reprint at the end of the year. So if you're sitting on these, wait for these to go up to three to four because you probably bought them at 50 cents to 75 cents and then get rid of them. And you'll make like an extra dollar on them and just move on with life. Uh, Ed wants to know how it's spelled. It's spelled A-N-Y-A, Merciless Angel. Yeah, I'm like kind of apprehensive about that because I feel like that's one of the commander decks that is most likely to get reprinted because that one also has a fiery, fiery compound. Yeah. yeah, it has Fire Confluence. It has Urza's Incubator in it also, I believe. Yep. So what I'm saying is let it rise up until June when it's like a 3 to $4 card by natural demand. Don't go out and buy out this thing. And then uh, just sell them and get out. And you'll probably do fine. But it's something to just keep in mind because prices are starting to go up on this card. I looked at all the BIOS data that uh, Quiet Speculation scrapes from websites and it's looking pretty promising. Like, <clears throat> not, not to derails, but I kind of feel like Mirren is the 
more popular choice, uh, as it were, for the uh, the reprint from this year. Um, obviously, like I think the weight the weight into battle that's the name of the deck. Um, it only got super popular more recently. Like fiery confluence was a price adjustment, like maybe a month ago or something. Um, so I don't think like it it might not be on Wizards' radar to kind of have it reprinted yet. Versus, uh, can I can I interrupt you for a second? Are you talking? Yeah. Marin already got printed last year. Yeah. Are you talking about Marin the green black one? Because that was in the last Commander's Arsenal. Yeah, that's why we won't see it again this year. They oh, just okay. reprinted it last year. Okay, disregard what I'm saying. I I must be having a stroke or something. I do not remember that. It's okay. We generally disregard you anyway. But yeah, I think this is the one to uh, to reprint this year. Okay, I agree with everything Jeremy said for once. Wow. Woo, got him. One Gilded Lotus and Head Shave, please, is payment. Uh, but yeah, I just like looked into a lot of data. So, saw it start churning up a ton on March. BioS followed in April, beginning of this month. So just keep it in mind, guys. Not not to further derail this, but is the original art for Gilded Lotus and like actual or is it digital? Like, is there actual print on it or is it digital? I can ask uh, Vorthos Mike, who we've had on the cast to discuss art finance. The I, I believe it is uh, it is oil on Masonite, and then the newest one just went for seven thousand seven hundred dollars for just the the art, and then the sketch is at like two thousand right now. For are, you Lotus? About the, are you talking about the Mirrodin Gilded Lotus? No, Dominaria. The Mirrodin one would probably go for around twenty thousand. No, no, I'm talking to Ed. Which which Gilded Lotus were you asking the question about? The new one, the, the, the Dominaria one. Oh, yeah. yeah I think so that the original artwork just sold for about $7,700. Mm. And was... I was bidding on it as well. So, did not I was... win. I was thinking we could make interesting terms for a bet, but I realized, like, wait, this is already going to be long sold and probably disappearing into a collection before we can settle it. Yeah, so. I have been fighting with Heiko over a lot of original art lately, and it has been a blast. That's actually how you recognize me at Seattle. Yes, you're nerds. Yeah. Somebody is sniping art, uh, original art, in order to screw a bat of yours would be pretty great. Yeah. Hey, Monty, can you do me a favor, please? That would be that would be great. All right. Where can people find you guys? At Edwin13 on Twitter. I maybe will be in Columbus this weekend. I will maybe be in Paris next weekend for Eternal Weekend. I will not be in Birmingham with Jeremy. Shame. And I will maybe be in Toronto. You won't be where? Birmingham. So we had a 10-minute segment before we started recording about how to pronounce Birmingham. And Ed said it's Birmingham. And then he says Birmingham anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did I? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oops. He tried. <laughs> Both teams Jim, played hard. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at PHRSD underscore. You can find me on Gathering Magic every week. Yeah, no, sorry, every other week. Well, I guess every week. This cast you can find me on, so I guess you can find me every week. And um, you can occasionally find me every three months going to a pre-release and hating myself. I am Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I also do uh, MTG Fast Finance Podcast, and I write every Monday mtg price and you will not find me at gp bringing ham well i'm jeremy you can find me on twitter at missouri mtg off highway 44 where i'm washing my clothes um i'll be at a lot of gps uh i think we're meeting up in toronto minus ed and jim i have a feeling travis will probably drive up um yeah that's pretty much it. I don't even think all of us are going to GP Vegas this year. So are probably of us. Oh, I am not going. Vegas every year is too much. Vegas every other year is probably just the right number of Vegases per year. Yeah. But I also need to go there for less time because I don't actually like the gambling part of Vegas all that much. Yep. And I actually hated Vegas and resolved to never go back again after last year. And then Westgate was like, you gambled enough to win a free week of of hotels oh and i was like oh we are going to go and gamble again so yeah shout out to ed next- for being like the the high-end roller sitting next to me and helping my rating yeah if i go if i go again i'm probably just gonna go to a bunch of shows and eat more good food and not gamble and not let jeremy pick where we eat right the place that he picked was fine what did the you original like place i picked was sold out to be fair. 
And what was wrong with the place that we ate dinner? It was too expensive for what we paid for. Yeah. Like, the quality wasn't phenomenal. The food was fine, but the quality wasn't phenomenal for what we paid. Right. I will still say the best meal I had in Vegas out of the, like, three really nice meals we had was uh, Rose Rabbit Lie. I was genuinely impressed with that. And I only topped that dining experience probably at... uh, No, Del Posto in uh, New York City. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to Cartel Aristocrats. You can find us on Twitter at Cartel underscore finance, on YouTube at Cartel Aristocrats, on iTunes at Cartel Aristocrats, on SoundCloud at Cartel Aristocrats, on Gathering Magic at Cartel Aristocrats, and on MTG Cast at Cartel Aristocrats. So thanks for listening. We will see you guys next week, presumably jet-lagged as usual, and have a good week. Bye.